I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Ankit Agarwal, Managing Director of STL, a digital networking company based in Mumbai. We discuss STL's perspective on the digital divide based on its global work building digital networks, what the biggest challenges are for the service providers STL works with, what role fiber is playing in bridging the digital divide in India, and more. All right. Ankit, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Nicole. Looking forward. So um, just to start off, can you give me some background information on STL and what broadband service providers you work with where in, and where in the world your digital network infrastructure is active? Yeah, sure. So STL, uh, you know, while Solar Technologies Limited uh, is kind of really uh, leading the front in terms of building digital networks. Uh, our purpose is to transform lives uh, by uh, creating the digital networks for uh, people around the world. Uh, we are deeply motivated to see the impact that this digital divide when bridged can have on the impact of lives across looking at education, looking at healthcare and various government services. Um, We see that, you know, close to 3 billion people still don't have access to quality internet. And that's a tremendous need, but also an opportunity for STL to play in and create tremendous impact globally. So that's something that is deeply exciting for all of us at STL, and that's core to our purpose. Um, we do uh, have a global footprint in terms of our customer base. We deal with almost all the major telecom operators globally, barring one or two. We work with uh, customers looking at their network solutions. We look at as operators are migrating from 4G to 5G, as they're looking at large-scale fiber to the home deployment, fiber to enterprise. And also as they're looking at the hyperscalers for very large deployments, these are all parts of the solutions that we offer. We currently have provided our solutions in over 100 countries. Uh, We currently have manufacturing facilities, especially for our optic fiber uh, solutions uh, in over uh, eight facilities in India, China, Brazil, and Italy. And we're also scaling up and setting up facilities in the US and the UK as we speak. We also have state-of-the-art R&D centers and software development centers, as well as system integration facilities, both in India as well as the UK. So overall, through all of this, we have an extremely global setup. We have a, a global purpose to transform lives by creating these digital networks. And we're truly excited in the role we will play in the coming decade. So you have a global footprint. That means you have a global perspective. So tell me a bit more about your perspective on the digital divide in the communities where you operate. Where are you seeing some of the biggest connectivity hurdles over these past couple of particularly challenging years? And what are some of the differences you're seeing in those challenges? Sure. I think one one element to think about is that, you know, especially due to the pandemic and linked to that, uh, we have seen governments around the world realize that in many places they need to step in and fund and ensure that people get connected because that's something that's clearly come out. Um, We've seen very large investments being announced uh, in the US, in the UK, also in India uh, with uh, a project called BharatNet to connect 600,000 villages on on optic fiber. So clearly, I think uh, governments around the world are realizing that especially the rural parts of, uh, of the countries probably need some sort of funding to ensure high quality uh, connectivity. 
what we typically see is that uh, in those uh, in those areas of being unconnected there's typically a lack of technology awareness there's also lack of education and then fundamentally there has to be new and innovative ways to ensure the infrastructure is built out whether it's wired wireless or even satellite it's extremely important that the connectivity is provided at the right price point as well and i think that's something that continues to be a challenge in various geographies where even if there is an interest very often it is not simply uh, you know viable from the telecom operator perspective to deploy into these geographies so i think this is something that is more critical than ever um, i think that uh, this element of 3 billion people that are unconnected in india itself we believe more than 500 million people have poor or no connectivity this has to be a very critical mandate for governments and i think one of the specific areas that i would say needs to be highlighted is that very often even if the funding is sorted out uh, typically there are lots of on ground challenges to deploy the fiber and the wireless networks which revolve around permitting or right of way permissions and i think that's typically where the government can also step in to make those a lot easier and simpler and enable the operators and service providers to deploy the networks So tell me let's stick with India for uh, for a moment because that's that's where you are and uh, the digital divide in India is huge. Um a lot of what I hear about closing the digital divide in India tends to revolve around satellite, but I'd like to talk about what role fiber is playing. You're alluding to a, a government um investment. So tell me more about that. Um what are the challenges to building infrastructure there? Um and and what is this uh government program and and how is STL involved? Sure. Uh, so i think again linked uh, you know to our purpose we clearly see a tremendous opportunity in india you know it's it's a very unique market it's also a very disruptive market uh, on the one hand we are the lowest arpus in the world at close to 2 dollars um and uh, you know we have three telecom operators uh, essentially and one government operator uh, who together provide close to a billion connections um and we are currently in in a very interesting transition phase as well as we switch from Uh, essentially uh, 4G networks and we believe this year we will have auction of 5G networks and probably some network roll out by start of next year so it's a very interesting phase uh, the other part of course is that we do have a tremendous digital divide uh, while there is high level of connectivity either through fiber or 4G in the cities and tier 2 cities the minute you go to uh, the less urban places uh, you do see very poor connectivity very often uh, you know less than 1 mbps as well in terms of uh, speeds so i think th- that's still a, a very large opportunity as well uh, but it's extremely important that the government now gets actively involved uh, there has been a program uh, which has been running called bharat net uh, which aims to connect all the 600000 villages on uh, on high speed optic fiber uh very happy to share that as per the recent budget which just got announced a few days ago the government reemphasized and reconfirmed its commitment to connect all villages uh by 2025 so i think that's something that's that's very exciting um we also see a huge amount of uh data centers that will need to get built out in india especially looking at the data, data localization as well as the latency applications that that will enable that will get enabled by uh, local data centers so i see that also being a large opportunity in terms of infrastructure creation and i think probably in the range of 5 to 7 billion dollars of uh, data centers will get built out in the next uh, few years 
Um, very proud, as I said, of STL. Um, STL took the responsibility of connecting rural Maharashtra, which is one of the largest states out here, and Telangana uh, through the government-led projects to connect the rural parts of these states. Uh, we are building more than 40,000 kilometers of optical fiber networks. We're actually deploying these networks, taking it to each village and to each home. Um, and as you can imagine, this is impacting tens of millions of lives. So this is something we're very proud of. And on top of this, what we have also done is we realize it's not good enough to just take the fiber. You also have to build use cases and train and educate people. So we've also experimented with a solution we call GURF. Um, which is first of its kind in the country. And we're actually creating the digital kiosks in these villages and, and enabling uh, use cases around education, healthcare, Amazon, and other, uh, other ways so that people actually start getting comfortable with using internet in their local language. Um, and that takes up the application even more. Wow, that's fantastic uh, and something that I think uh, more companies should be doing as they're bringing internet to, to new places is uh, helping with digital literacy and, and education. That's that's really exciting. Um, I, we've been listening to a lot of earnings calls this week, and the, the top line takeaway is everyone is pained by the supply chain issues. So what role is the global supply chain uh, shortages, uh, what, are, what role are they having on, on your infrastructure delivery um, at STL and with your partners as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think it really... Uh, does highlight, uh, you know, both the importance of having a global supply chain, having, uh, you know, multiple risk mitigation plans in place and, and having a variety of partners who are with you and committed. Uh, I think that's something that has worked out quite well for us at, at STL. Uh, we do have, uh, you know, that uh, fairly robust. We do have global supply chain uh, in place. Uh, having said that, I think there was just certain elements, uh, you know, particularly I would say around logistics and, uh, you know, containers where uh, just like, uh, you know, many of our peers, we found that as we started supplying more and more of our solutions into Europe and North America in particular, we were impacted to some extent by uh, some of these, uh, you know, one-time increases in costs. Uh, so that's something that we're continuing to look at and see how to optimize our containers and other ways to, to innovate so that we can solve for these cost challenges. Um, but I must say that overall, we have been uh, you know, very efficient in looking at our operations and our supply chain. And we have had minimal uh, impact on our, on our business so far. Uh, but we continue to watch it very carefully and there are a lot of learnings for us uh, in this process. Gotcha. Okay. So um, we talked a bit about India, um, but you're, like I said, your operation, like you said as well, you're operational all over the, the globe. Um, lots of countries are trying to accelerate their, their broadband deployment now. Um, you, you also alluded to government investments and certain local policies that, that are necessary to make this go particularly well. Um, can you be a little bit more specific about where you see this going well and, and any particular policies or government schemes that you think are, are notable that, that other countries should be looking into? Yeah, just one more thing I would add to uh, you know the previous part, uh, previous mm -hmm. question on the supply chain. Um, you know, one is that uh, from a manufacturing perspective itself, especially of our optic fiber business, we're probably the world's most integrated. Uh, we literally start from silicon metal and gases and power on site. We make our own glass preform, which very few people have the technology. We take that and we draw it into, uh, you know, hair thin optical fiber. 
and then we put hundreds or thousands of those into you know strands of those uh, fibers into cables and we have our own opt- uh, interconnect solutions as well so from the customer perspective that's that's extremely valuable because then we can provide the end to end solutions and by being completely backward integrated we're less susceptible to these uh, supply chain challenges so i think that's one gotcha. part the second part is that we've also by nature of having set up these operations globally uh, as much as possible we've ensured that our customers receive uh, material or receive the solutions from near uh, or in country uh, manufacturing so i think that's also helped mitigate some of these particularly logistic challenges that we've seen globally so i would say these two have really helped us um just coming to your question in terms of uh, the policy if you could just uh, repeat that Oh sure yeah you alluded to um some policies and some government uh funding programs that are that are helping uh with these types of deployments um we already talked about india but is there anywhere else where you see this going particularly well that other countries should look to for you know a roadmap for themselves Yeah absolutely i think uh, you know there are some good examples uh, i would say in the us uh there's a you know as part of the you know trillion dollar infrastructure package there's about 65 billion dollars allocated for broadband um and mm-hmm. i think the way the government is is looking at deploying that at speed over the next you know several years um i think that's a very interesting model where there are clear guidelines set out in terms of uh, what kind of network and ultimately what speeds uh need to be uh, minimum speeds need to go to the to the users so i think that's a very good model and is really kind of kick starting another wave of digital infrastructure spend particularly to the rural parts of of america so i think that's a very uh very positive program and a very well funded program uh, and i think that's something we are also pretty excited to be part of uh through our facility in the us uh the other program out says is also looking very positive uh is in terms of uh, the rollout that we're seeing in France and Italy again there are very well structured projects and and very well funded programs by the french government and the italian governments respectively uh, one interesting thing we observed is that there's actually been innovations on the fiber optic and cables itself that minimize the requirement of a lot of train manpower so there were some very interesting solutions which are called micro module solutions that by nature of deploying those you needed very minimal train manpower and hence you were able to deploy it at speed so i think that's something that's been very interesting um what we also see in other geographies like australia or in other uh, in other countries including in india there's an increasing use of what is called ribbon technology as well mm-hmm. as plug and play technology and again these are innovations which significantly reduce the time of deployment and ideally also the cost of deployment on a tco basis so i think some of these innovations are are really helping um and what governments are also realizing is that there's value in one operator or the government putting what we call dark fiber to connect uh, across uh, a large region and then that same one fiber if it's in an important route you will then get multiple service providers or operators to then ride on that one network so i think that's something that is very very interesting and i think the last part i would say is that uh, cities are starting to more and more provide what we call blanket approvals across the entire city uh, mm-hmm. and that's enabling the operator to say hey i'm not going to think about where are my towers in terms of 4g or 5g if i'm getting coverage across the city i'm going to do carpet coverage and put fiber in every street um and so i think that's enabling both higher capacities 
and higher densities of fiber to get deployed, but we're also seeing it happening very smoothly at one time. And that's that's a win-win for everyone involved. Gotcha. Okay. Last question for you, and then I'll let you get your evening started and your weekend, actually, because it's Friday night for you at this point. Um, how has the pandemic and the, the renewed energy for closing the digital divide changed what you guys at STL are focusing on as a business? What has it shifted for you in the last year or two? Yeah, I think it's been fascinating, you know, um, while we're all busy in terms of our, uh, you know, us and our kids and everyone else in terms of uh, being on Zoom day in and day out, it, I think without a doubt, it has accelerated the, this digital transformation by at least five to seven years. Um, and every everyone we speak to, every enterprise and every CTO is telling us just in terms of the way people are looking at the networks, people are looking at taking things to the cloud, people are accelerating in terms of all their services being much more uh, agile. I think all of that has happened at a very, very rapid pace. And I think for us, we are clearly looking at this, not just from the from the fiber side, which clearly will be critical, but we're also looking at from the wireless side as well as what we call programmable FTTX. So the, we believe the networks are very rapidly shifting from being hardware centric to software centric. And in fact, the hardware will become more and more commercial and off the shelf. So this is something that we're, we're very excited about driving. Um, you know, we have, we've taken leadership in this in India in terms of driving our solutions based on open RAN. Um, and we have more than 300 engineers now, uh, you know, both in the US and in India, actively looking at building these solutions. We're also having a, a very strong team now on system integration because we're clearly seeing you can have the products and the solutions, but you need people ultimately on the ground who can integrate all of these solutions and deploy it at scale. So very, very proud that while we built a very strong base in India, we've also now taken this capability to the UK on the back of our customers saying, hey, in addition to everything you're doing for me, can you deploy these networks for me as well? So I think that's something that's, that's very exciting and has again got accelerated uh, by the pandemic. Um, I think that the last thing I would say is that, you know, clearly our own purpose in terms of, you know, connecting the unconnected, uh, that is that resolve has got further strengthened, uh, you know, through the pandemic, because we've seen, uh, you know, I can give you an example, clearly, uh, even, you know, education and understanding of that vaccines are safe for you and, and there's no issues with taking them uh, is something probably could have been done even more, uh, even better through digital mediums. Um, and just because we didn't have that connectivity in rural India, that's probably a big reason why, you know, a vast portion of rural India still needs to probably take either their first or second dose. So this for me really, uh, you know, on one side is concerning, but on the other side is an exciting opportunity to rapidly take our networks where they haven't been. And, and that's, that's something that really motivates us and, and all my, all, all the employees. Well, I could talk to you for another three days about all of this probably, but instead I'm going to let you go. I'm going to say thank you so much for your time, Ankit, and I hope that you'll come back and keep us posted on everything y'all are doing. Absolutely. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you again, Ankit, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landriel, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.